Blog Talk Radio. Well, good. Let's call it afternoon, shall we? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Poetry Superhighway Live. It's the July 2000... No, no, I'm sorry. What month is it? June, isn't it? It's the June 2012 edition of our PSH Live open reading. Frankly, my my heart is in July right now, so you'll understand the error. Good to have you listening. My name is Rick Lupert. I'm the... I don't know. I don't really have an official title. I'll take your suggestions for official titles, but I'm at least the guy at the microphone orchestrating this here open reading, this Poetry Superhighway Live open reading. Your mission, to listen to some poetry, and more importantly, to call in and read something. The number to call in is 646-716-7362. There are no content or style restrictions. You get to read a poem. You get to talk about what's going on in your poetic world. Perhaps you have a book coming out or a book that's just come out. Uh, Perhaps you have a website you'd like to tell us about. Maybe there's a a live in-person event you want to let us know about, something of that nature. I don't know what it is, but uh, that's why you have to call in and tell me. Uh, Again, the number is 646-716-7362. Before we get to our callers, I want to mention that we've uh, started collecting prizes for the Poetry Superhighway annual Summer Poetry Contest. I believe this is our 15th year that we've done this. Uh, The idea is that if you uh, donate prizes, you will uh, receive, for your donation, you'll receive uh, promotional consideration, which includes uh, mention in contest correspondence as well as a classified in the weekly Poetry Superhighway newsletter, which goes out to thousands of people who are poets and writers, and that uh, classified gets posted online as well. Um, It's kind of a cool thing. You you may know about this already, but in case you don't, uh, everyone who enters the contest receives a prize for entering. So, um, of course, we actually have winners. There are judges. Um, I'm pleased to report that at this point, um, the three winners of last year's contest have agreed to judge this year's contest. So a completely new set of judges. They'll read all the poems and uh, in the end, there will be three winners, and there'll be special prizes for the winners. The winners get uh, get divide up all of the money taken in by the uh, contest entrance, etc. But uh, uh, but more on that particularly later. Uh, as a sponsor, every uh, every single prize that you send in will will actually you'll send directly to a contest entrance. So that means that uh, if you enter, no matter what you score, even if it's in Last place, ooh, there's that hidden musical tag which always comes up. Can you hear it? All right, it's gone. Uh, Anyway, if you enter the contest, no matter what you score in the contest, uh, you will get some kind of prize for entering. We have over 80 prizes so far uh, submitted. Uh, There are books, there are subscriptions to things, there are services of interest to poets and writers, uh, electronic gift certificates, all kinds of cool things. So it really 
Um, everything about this contest is a win for everyone who chooses to participate. So right now we're looking for sponsors. If you've got something that you want to donate, whether it's one copy of your book or five copies of your book or 30 somethings or other, uh, go to the Poetry Superhighway website, which is Poetry Super. Um, uh, click on the Poetry Superhighway link, and you'll see right on the front page sort of the 2012 contest. Love to have you aboard and participate in this and help us uh, uh, spread poetry, uh, as, as many people's poetry, to as many other people as possible. All right, we're going to get to our callers. Our next, our, our next, I guess it's next in kind of a an ongoing sort of thing, as if this has been sort of one long open reading that we started four years ago that we occasionally take breaks from just by hanging up, per se. Uh, but now we've picked up the phone again, and our next caller is from the 973 area code. Hello, 973. You know who this is? <laughs> from the glorious radioactive hills of Newark, New Jersey. How you doing, Rick? Wait, they're they're radioactive now? That's something new that you've uh, they're sharing with us. That's why we all glow in the dark. I, you know, for for safety reasons, I've I've only been to New Jersey in the daylight. <laughs> yeah, see, you have no way of knowing whether what I'm telling you is true or not. <laughs> I really don't. Anyway, let me get right to this. This is called Octopus Eating in O'Hare Airport. This is uh, a poem born out of deep psychosis. Here it is. <clears throat> And there's a hairless airport in Chicago where the glorious paint, the blessed scalp, that coveted reflection in any direction, where the Almighty chose to cover all of those accursed heads with hair. And there's a hairless airport in Chicago where old Blue Eyes with his red ass is toddling down that toddling town, whatever the fuck that means since I have never toddled nor wish to any time soon. There's a hairless airport in Chicago where the Prozac prince, that octopus-eating prophet, escapes from the mess that he is in, but not from the mess that he is, that cute little hairy creature. Ah, that hairless place that refuses to toddle as the octopus-eater outruns his jailer with high-speed travel, only to discover that his would-be captor is that very reflection in any direction. There's a hairless airport in Chicago where the flowing mane and the swank coiffure succumb to the resplendent pate, that immortal scalp, and coveted reflection in any direction. Thus spaketh the octopus eater. Oh, David, that was wonderful. Um, and <laughs> particularly nostalgic for me because I was just in O'Hare Airport a week ago. Oh, that that was born out of way, uh, 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 some downtime in O'Hare Airport, and uh, I was on on the way back from meeting somebody, and that didn't turn out so well. Somebody in the Quad Cities in Illinois, but anyway, I laid over in O'Hare, on O'Hare for a couple of hours, and uh, I um, brought out my uh, cans of octopus, which I used to eat. Right, hold on a second. Um, you can get octopus in well, first of all, at all, at all, 
And second of all, it comes in cans. Yes, you can get canned octopus. And that seemed to be quite a... Uh, quite a novelty in the Midwest where I was. So it's now, is it, I'm sorry, is it quality octopus meat or is it mostly tentacle? No, no, it's, uh, it's quality octopus. It's good octopus. That's I'm I'm glad I'm glad to hear that because I'd hate I hate to think that you weren't getting your money's worth in terms no, of no, no, octopus flesh. It was good. <laughs> But anyway, there's nothing too much going on in the Newark area right now. Like, like that's news. <laughs> um, Poetry-wise, it's all comedy clubs here. I see. David, there's one other thing. Uh, you mentioned in your poem uh, not having a memory of toddling, but I recall seeing videos of you on YouTube as a child toddling. <laughs> On YouTube? Oh, that wasn't me. That was my son. Oh, okay. Well, then uh, then I'm mistaken. <laughs> well, look, uh, David, always, always glad to have you uh, read on the show. Thanks for calling in. Um, good to hear your voice. Um, and uh, thank you for letting me know that uh, one could eat octopus if one so desired. <laughs> Yes, very educational. I'm glad you're you you were uh, educated. <laughs> you were so informed. Okay, Rick. I'll see you. I'll see you guest in August. Sounds good. All right. Okay. Take it easy. Thank you. Bye bye. This is David Neves calling from the lush and now radioactive hills of Newark, New Jersey. Um, yeah, he mentioned actually our next open reading will be in August. Uh, we're using our July show uh, for the uh annual uh contest uh, conversation with our with our contest judges uh so uh that that will be uh, July 22nd instead of an open reading we will have the contest judges on this is about a week or so after the contest will have started and um you'll have the chance to uh hear directly from them if uh, if you're considering entering the contest well you could hear from them even if you're not considering entering i suppose uh, you know what they look for when they're reading poetry and all that kind of stuff. So it's a really good opportunity to um, get some insights if you are considering entering. And then we will have our regular open reading, the next one um, in uh, probably August 19th. Uh, but we're here in the middle of this open reading, so let's focus on this. Thanks again for calling in, David. Um, our next caller is uh, from the 250 area code. Hello. Hi, Rick. Um, I'm calling from Kelowna, B.C. in Canada, and my name is Fern G. Zadkar, or I guess in the States you'd say Fern G. Z. Carr. And um, I was recently published in the Holocaust Remembrance issue, and I thought I would officially meet you and and thank you for all your efforts that you've made in reaching out to the poetry community. My pleasure. Thank you for participating in, in these efforts. Yeah, and, um, you know, I wanted to mention that uh, I caught last month's discussion, and I found it really interesting, uh, your discussion about reaching out to other people versus dealing with poetry as a solitary art. And I thought, to build on that, I would be interested in possibly hearing about what experiences were uh, more meaningful to other poets during the course of their writing life. Um, Like, for me personally, like, I I try to maintain a, a global focus, my poetry's been published in several countries worldwide, 
But even though I've been published like maybe more than 130 times, I've had, I would say, four very meaningful events in my poetry career. And I just, like one of them, I had the uh, Parliamentary Poet Laureate of Canada choose one of my poems as the Poem of the Month for Canada. So that was very meaningful. Um, I had a biographical listing in the world's lawyer poets, because I used to be a poet, uh, lawyer, sorry, now a poet. Um, I was featured on the Globe and Mail online arts blog. And the one, though, that I found that the was the most surreal experience for me is I won a contest, and I had one of my poems set to music by a Juno-nominated musician, and it was performed at a folk festival, and it was broadcast on the radio so I could hear the audience singing and clapping along to something that I basically wrote downstairs in my basement. So it was a very bizarre but amazing feeling. So that kind of ties into the whole theme of a solitary art versus you know, extending your craft outward. Cool. So the question that you're interested in hearing what other people have to say um, is: Is there a you know a single um, highlightable uh, highlight, I guess, from someone's you know experiences so far uh, being involved with poetry? Is that basically right? right? Exactly. Or even uh, an event, maybe possibly that happened in their life that you know from which the, they were able to draw inspiration you know, for their poetry, something that inspired them and and just gave them a little extra boost of creativity, something like that. Cool. Well, um if you mm-hmm. are uh listening, um and if you you've heard that question or um and you're you're waiting to be on hold, um perhaps uh, when it's your turn to to be on the air, uh you you can answer that question as well and we can uh, prompt some some uh, new conversation and learn from each other uh, in that way uh, today, uh, if you'd like to do so. So, Fern, thank you sure. very much for uh, for uh, giving us that prompt. And um, do you have a poem you'd like to share with us? Yes, I do. And uh, I do have some poems on my website, if you don't mind me just mentioning my web- website. It's www. and then ferngzcar.com. So that's F-E-R-N-G-C-C-A-R-R.com. Okay, so the poem that I would like to read is called A Funeral in the Rain, and it's a visual poem that I wrote. It's in the shape of a headstone at a cemetery, and it also has some other visual effects within the body of the poem, and it was uh, previously published by White Wall Review, which is a journal published by Ryerson University in Toronto. Okay, so here goes. This is A Funeral in the Rain. Under a slate-colored sky, raindrops pelt umbrellas, balanced on long legs, Flamingo-like above weary heads. Silent tears blend with the rain and trickle onto the drenched grass. All else is quiet except for the drone of a prayer for the deceased and the occasional whoosh of a distant car splashing through puddles, oblivious to the grief of those who mourn. As the service continues, some linger in the rain-soaked cemetery to pay their respects to loved ones who have long since passed on to their final resting place, a place where it doesn't matter why the bereaved weep, for the deceased or for themselves, a grim reminder of their own mortality. They shed tears that subside like the rain as the clouds pass and those above ground depart to resume their daily routine. That's my poem. Cool. Thank you, Fern. Thanks for sharing that with us. Uh, nice piece, um, and uh, congratulations on all the success you've had uh, uh, as as you uh, as you um, outlined for us earlier. 
Thank you very much, Rick. And it was lovely talking to you. And again, thank you so much for all your efforts. They're really appreciated. My pleasure. And thanks for, again for, for joining in in those efforts. I really appreciate that a lot. Ed, tell me again, you're, you're from Cologne, B.C., Canada. Was that right? Kelowna, B.C. Yeah, it's about a half an hour plane ride from Vancouver. Okay. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much again for calling in. Perhaps we'll talk with you again in the future. My pleasure. Thanks again, Rick. Okay, Bye. bye-bye. All right, that was uh, Fern G. Z. Carr calling from uh, calling from Canada, our first uh, international call of the day. Uh, international, I suppose, relative to where I am. I, I shouldn't be so... Uh, 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 America-centric, as it were. Um, the number for you to call in is area code 646-716-7362. You could also uh, Skype in. Um, I uh, Honestly, I don't know how to do that <laughs> because I, I mean I can't tell you how to do that because I'm not on the webpage. I'm on the control panel and blah, blah, blah. It's really a boring technical explanation uh, 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 to explain to you why I can't give you the specific instructions on how to Skype in. I'm pretty sure you just click the button that says Skype on the webpage. Uh, but anyway, uh, do call in and share your poem. We'd love to hear what you have to offer uh, and perhaps answer the question that uh, Fern uh, gave to us in terms of an experience that uh, you found particularly inspiring uh, to you as a poet uh, or as a poet, uh, 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 period. So there you go. Moving on, our caller, our next caller is from the 805 area code. Hello. Hi, Rick. Hi. It's Cathabella Wilson in Pasadena. Hi, Cathabella. How are you? Hi, I know. I love what you're doing. I've always wanted to call in and talk to you. So uh, the poem that I'm going to read to you is it connects with both of your previous callers. One of them spoke about the air, airline experience and uh, your other caller about the international. So this comes from an experience that I had with Rick, and he's going to play the flute in the background if it works for you. Um, when we travel to Iran, we've been there three times, And the last time we were there, they took us on a plane to an ancient desert city. So this poem is called Flight from Yazd, and it was written on the plane. And um, this this city is small and a desert city. And um, Flight from Yazd. The heart has no name. No address. It only pretends to be in the body. It hides there in the chest, curled up like a fetus, not knowing how big it can get. The heart is always ready to escape. It's not man or woman, animal or bird. The heart is always waiting, tapping its foot in the queue from beginning to end. Always taking off 
or landing, applauding the pilot. Cathabella, well done. Thank you, Rick. Enjoyed the flute in the background. Um, Did you, you you gave the first name of the person playing flute as Rick? Is that correct? Rick Wilson. That's my husband. He collects and plays world and antique flutes. Oh well. Yeah. He, he's also a what? He's also a mathematician at Caltech. Oh yeah. wow. Well, that covers <laughs> a, a wide range of. Uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, types of involvements. Um, well, very interesting. Do you have an answer to the question that Fern asked in terms of a, an experience that you found particularly inspirational uh, well, in terms of poetry? I would say this: this the travels to Iran are extremely inspirational. We have such an amazing opportunity to be able to travel because Rick is invited to speak at mathematics conferences. So I go to all the lectures, take mathematical notes, draw the speakers, and go on all the excursions. But this was a particularly meaningful one, and it was two weeks before the elections when everything changed there. And we saw no sign of trouble. But it was it's such an amazing place, and the deep friendliness and the deep beauty of everything, both of the people and their love for us and for everyone that comes there, and and the landscapes and the depth and history was extremely inspiring. So I wrote quite a few poems. This one is going to be published in Kyoto Journal. It's in the process of that. Wonderful. Well, um, Cathabella, I'm so glad that you uh, uh, finally uh, got to call in, mm-hmm. and uh, great to talk yeah. with you and hear your poem, and uh, uh, very cool mm-hmm. to mix the mix the music with it, and I hope to talk with you again. Yes, I'm glad it worked. Okay, great. Thank you, Rick. Thanks for all you do. My pleasure. Thank you, too. Um, that was Cathabella uh, Wilson calling from Pasadena, California, uh, with her husband, uh, Rick, the flautist-slash-mathematician, uh, in the background, uh, uh, adding an extra dimension to their uh, to to Bella's poem, uh, written on a plane uh, somewhere in Iran. Very cool, very very cool. All right, the number again to call in is six four six seven one six seven three six two. Would love to hear your poem uh, and uh, something about your poetic world, as well as. Um, uh, perhaps an answer to the question that was given to us earlier. What, what, you know, is there an experience that, uh, uh, in terms of poetry, that inspired you, uh, particularly? So, moving on, we are now moving to. Let's see. It's uh, Don. How are you, Don? Hi, hi, Rick, and thank you, and um, thank also. Uh, I think it was Fern, Fran, yeah. Fern. There was a caller named Fern. I suppose it depends on yes. what you're thanking them for. Uh, getting that poem published. Uh, ah. Submitting. This is the important thing in terms of uh, getting the work out. Uh, this poem that I'm going to do right now is um, dedicated to Victoria, otherwise known as Vicky, and I hope she is listening. Bistu. And it's entitled Dull or Silent. His hands knead, his hands caress, his hands knead 
milking resistance out of me, his lips kiss, his tongue licks, his mouth sucks, and while his spill flows only once a day, it rhymes my letting go eight times to that once. As he scales the tips of my breasts, as he climbs the mound of my Venus, thinness of air ushers me to become winded on the heights of the pant. Breathless, I come undone, and now my body is too heavy to uphold. I am tired and am as heavy as gold, precious to him, slippery to the touch. I am a prisoner lost in wet lusciousness. I am stained by the dye in his eye, the way he looks at me, colors my mind's mood. I am dumb when I am the most shrewd. End text. Nice, Don. Uh, Victoria, is that someone we should know? You you mentioned the name as if it's something that uh, someone we should should know, or is it just someone you you hope is listening to this piece who it's dedicated to? Somebody that I hope is very, very much is listening. Um, I found her through her poetry, and wow, is she attractive. I have never met anyone as strong a writer as she is, and she has floored me. What, oh, what's her, what, can you tell tell us her, her name or a website we can go and check out her work? Or? No, no, no. I it's 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 dangerous. She is so um, prominent. So um, it's better that I keep silent or, or as silent as I can without getting too frustrated. And it's mentioning my peak it was about 37 years ago I created and hosted and produced live poets out of a radio, out of a radio station in San Francisco a listener supported radio station in San Francisco we were on the air two hours a week and uh, we were on the air for about three years and uh, it was a peak experience because I got to listen in person to the finest poets in this greater San Francisco, Berkeley uh, San Jose Santa Rosa area and uh, that was devastating wow did I steal like mad and by that I mean I would listen to something that was executed very, very well and then copy the technique and then change a little bit in the technique, innovate in the technique, add to it. But it was very, very, um, very, very poignant peak experience in my life. And um, it's one of the reasons you go to to open mics or listen to other people read is to steal the techniques, do homage, 
and innovate on the techniques. So thank you very much for making this venue open, Rick, because um, I steal like man. <laughs> Thief. Um, do you uh, are you pointing to the uh, your peak experience of hosting that radio show uh, uh, all those uh, years ago as kind of what what you what would kind of be your answer to the question that was asked earlier? Correct. Correct. Okay. I can so, only imagine that that was uh that was that was quite a time uh uh in the in the San Francisco Bay area for poets um and everyone who who came came out of that uh time uh the the beats and everything that that the area yeah. is so so famous for. Yeah. Yeah. We had Carol Lee Sanchez on air, we had uh uh, Bill Vartnell on air. We had uh, A.D. Winnens on air. We had, uh, oh, I'm not going to mention that. Yeah, let, let's, let's get to another poet and so we can steal. <laughs> cool. Well, Don, thanks as always for calling in. Don, uh, Don's up in Sonoma, California. Um, always good to hear your voice. Thanks for uh, thanks for calling in. And thank you. Good, goodbye. Bye. All right, uh, uh, that was Don from, once again, from Sonoma, California, reading his poem uh, to uh, uh, a mysterious poet named Victoria, who he refuses to tell us who it is, uh, 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 because that's just dangerous for some reason. Um, all right, well, we're about at the half hour mark. I'd like to play a spoken word track that's been submitted uh, at this point in the show before we get to the rest of the callers. But do call in the number 646 716 7362. This is the, if you've been listening the last couple months, uh, you've heard me play a couple of tracks from a local poet named Jerry Garcia. Um, so this will be the third, um, uh, the third one, that, the third and final one from the original set that he that he sent in um, him reading at a local venue here in Los Angeles called Beyond Baroque, backed up uh, by uh, live music. So uh, here you go. This is Other Angels by Jerry Garcia. shoulder blades. I glide over ocean mist and touch down on a cloud. I thought I would see angels, other angels. Perhaps the girl knew she would shatter first as I tumble through thick air. I see my young love smack the sand and rock below. Arms flail, fingers crack, gritty surf covers her with a pall of seaweed. I plummet to her side. No wings sprout. No parachute pulls my reprieve. No zephyr sweeps me to heaven. Air and surf flutter static through my ears. I open my mouth to bitter salt, look into wet sand, and become a seagull's last screech. Wow, that was 
that that last image there was kind of powerful. You can imagine a, a seagull just uh, uh, with its last breath screeching. Uh, sad. Um, Jerry Garcia, Southern California poet, uh, the third of three spoken word tracks that he sent that we've been playing over the last few months. So it's your turn, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if you've got something that you think uh, would be good for that particular slot of the show, send it to me via email. And I'll be happy to listen to it and consider it for playing in this slot. Um, uh, again, at any point, you can call in and read a poem. So for a spoken word track, I'm looking for something that's a little different, something that's maybe mixed with music, something that, that was produced in some way with, with sound effects. I, I suppose it could be a, a, a live uh, recording of you at a venue if you think the audience is, is what added uh, uh, to the uh, audible uh, uh, ambiance of the piece or whatever so put your put your spoken word tracks together and uh, send them to me to rick at poetrysuperhighway.com and I'll be happy to consider them uh, for playing on future Poetry Superhighway live shows alright launching into the second half of the show the number to call in is 646-716-7362 or uh, click to talk via Skype um, or whatever it tells you to do on the front page of the uh, of the website blogtalkradio.com slash psh. Um, happy to have you. Want to want to hear your piece? Um, our next caller is from the five eight five area code. Hi, Rick. Hello. Hi. Laughing. How you been? It's been a long time. Hey, laughing, Larry. How you doing? Yep. Doing good. Doing good. Uh, let's see. Should I start with the poem or my experience? Uh, you just let, you're in Rochester, is that right? Yep. Rochester, New York. Okay, cool. Uh, whichever you want to do. Okay. Well, the most formative experience was, of course, the time I spent in the other circle with you and the other people out there. But uh, I guess the best experience I've had is getting to teach poetry appreciation here at the U of R for three years before they found out I didn't have a master's degree. Hmm. I was one of 25, and of the 25 of us, only two had bachelors. None of us had masters, and the school was accredited, and you couldn't teach if, there was, if you didn't have a master's degree, so they shut down the program. But, hey, it was a great time. Well, I guess you cherished it while you could. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, I'm actually kind of excited about this piece. You may have heard it before, but it just won uh, third place in the Wyoming County, New York's Writers Arts, Con- Arts Council's uh, po- annual poetry contest, so it's the only thing I have that's actually won anything. I know it's only third place, but it's the highest I've gone, and it's called Donations. Excuse okay. me, folks. My name's also Shad Belger, and I'm a proponent of reverse panhandling. Would you like some change? Not really, would you? You see, as I walked down the street by my house, on my way to the bus stop, I always pass the same three people. Never fails, they're there every single day. First one has a chain around its neck. It's held there not with a lock, but with a banjo. Second one's a man of color. Not black, but silver from head to toe. I found out recently his name's Tron. Third one had his legs blown off back in Afghanistan. And all of them have cups in their hands, begging for change. But I've lived in the area for a while now. And I've learned it's really money thereafter. See, they count on the fact that people will throw coins in the cups as if to say, go away, hit the snooze bar. I don't need your wake-up call. Well, like I said, I've lived in the area for a while now, and I've gotten to know them, and they've gotten to know me. And they know that as a poet, I don't have a lot of money, and all I can really offer them is change. 
Larry, congratulations on uh, your third place win in that piece for that piece. Thanks. Um, cool. Anything going on in uh, in your area poetically that you want to mention to us? Uh, actually, yeah. The um, let's see. There's a few poetry guilds, but the the spot right now is a place called Trinity's. Uh, if you're in the Rochester area, it's on 36 West Main Street at the corner of Fitzhugh. On Wednesday night, a guy by the name of Jahaka Mindstorm runs the best reading in town right now. Hmm. Cool. So if you're in the Rochester area, you should uh, you should check that out. Yeah. Cool. Well, Larry, uh, thanks so much for calling in, uh, sharing your piece and your uh, your formative experience as well. Uh, good to yeah. hear your voice. Good to hear yours too, Rick. Take care. All right. Bye. That was uh, Laughing Laurence Berger, who, uh, as mentioned, used to be a part of uh, L.A.'s poetry uh, community, but uh, left a while back and lives in uh, lives in New York now. Good to, good to hear from him as always. All right, six four six seven one six seven three six two. Next caller, series of ones, probably a blocked number or something. Who am I talking to? Well, you're probably talking to Ivan because I keep forgetting to do the story too. <laughs> it's okay, Ivan. How are you? Oh, pretty good. How are you, Brent? I'm good. Where are you calling from? Northridge. Oh, I've heard of it. You have, yes. Yeah, I've been at Cobalt a couple times. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, I was just in Northridge this morning, as a matter of fact. Yeah, you have a gig here, I understand. I do. Great. Sunday mornings. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, uh, you got a poem for us. I do. Actually, I had just finished completing a poem that I wanted to do today specifically for this purpose. But since we've been challenged to come up with a piece that... Uh, is inspired by an event, I thought I would read another poem that I actually read before at Cobalt, but I think it's more appropriate given the situation. Okay. This poem, this poem was inspired by the landing of the first space shuttle, Columbia, uh, which I was privileged to attend, and uh, it was very inspirational to me. It was the first one, and the entire experience of the landing and the people there, uh, the crowd, it was incredible, it was just an incredible experience. So my poem is entitled Starbird, Columbia. You spend time on the ground more than you do flying, but you are not nest-bound, nor though you winter here is this your home. Your place is there where I can't follow. Oh, what a fine turn. It's clear you know the air as well as do your kin, and though their range is less, they see what you have seen. For knowing how to fly, the sky and all beyond is theirs to share with you. Yes, I have seen it too. I've seen you taking flight and swiftly upward wheeling, climbing into night, to soar against the sun, the racing blue below, confounding cloud and storm, form becoming flow. I've seen but missed the feeling. I stretch, but I can't fly. That's why I wait and strain to glimpse you from afar, but you remain aloof, still concerned with stars to reckon your landfall. All I can do is guess the moment feathers glow and flash into the blue, Approaching visibility. Do I hallucinate, or is that you come back to tell of lands beyond, the seasons yet to come, of time zones past and gone? You rematerialize, and what a turn you make. Now glide true to your track, one final dip, then rise and settle. Not at home, but here for me, my nesting place. To feed my flying dreams with nectars from the sky, the sun still in your wings, the stars still in your eye. Very nice. 
Uh, Ivan, well done. Um, it's it's uh, it's sad. Uh, I I remember when the the shuttle program launched, and uh, uh, no pun intended, um, and uh, it just ended. You know, and yes. uh, it's uh, kind of extraordinary um, how long it went, and and that it's over. You know, it's it's now history, and so it's very nostalgic to think about that that whole thing, and and how extraordinary that you got to be there for the landing of the first one. Yeah, it was terrific. I was uh, seated behind this guy who, with a baseball cap who kept getting in my way as I was trying to view the podium where the astronauts were speaking afterwards. Hmm. And he kept saying, far out. And when he finally turned around, it was John Denver. <laughs> also uh, someone whose era has passed, unfortunately. Yes. But that's that's very cool. Um, well, Ivan, is there anything going on in poetry with you that you want to share? Do you have a website, a book, or a, a, a reading that you're excited about or anything of that nature? No, actually, I I started to put together a book. Um, I actually won a poetry contest uh, many years ago, the the prize for which was to have your book published. But unfortunately, they uh, declared bankruptcy and went out of business before that was possible. So I never really uh, put it together. I, I have enough to do that. Someday I will. Wow, well, uh, congratulations at least for having won that contest. Um, uh, sorry it didn't work out, though. Yes, it was it was a bitter disappointment, but part of life's rich pageant. Yes, no no doubt. Um, all right, well, uh, Ivan, I appreciate that you called in, and I hope to see you at the Cobalt sometime soon. Thanks again. You're welcome. Okay, that was uh, Ivan calling from right here in Northridge, California. Um, let's see. Our next caller is Jason Brain. Hi, Jason. Hey, how you doing, Rick? I'm doing good, thanks. Uh, you're calling from here in Southern California. Show. I show I know poetry. Yes, well that that's what we do here. <laughs> we uh, we uh, we share poetry. <laughs> what? I know. Yeah. I know. Um, so, do, do you have a poem to share with us? Uh, I do have a poem. I do have a poem. So, um, this is called uh, Nights Like Tonight. On nights like tonight, I can only do one thing. Write, waste an abundance of paper, writing shitty-ass poetry. Uh, Jason, I don't know if you're there, um, but the uh, I, I can't hear you. Um, it sounds like there's a, a tough connection going on. Can you hear me? Well, we've lost Jason, ladies and gentlemen. I'm so sorry to uh, have to report that to you, uh, but perhaps he'll call back in uh, or Skype back in or whatever it is that he uh, wants to do because uh, he's a wonderful performer, and, and you all would uh, benefit from hearing uh Hearing his uh, poem. So let's see. Moving on, our next caller is uh, another um, another blocked call. Hello, uh, series of ones. Who am I talking to? Uh, Michael from Birmingham. Oh, hey, Michael. How, How are you? Are you? Rick? Good, thanks. I'm fine. Uh, okay, what am I going to read today? First, uh, let's mention if you haven't mentioned because I didn't miss, I didn't, I wasn't able to phone in for the first half of the show. Uh, that I wanted to mention for the show and for the poetry world, our new upcoming sport laureate Natasha Trethaway. Oh yes, I should have mentioned that. Uh, that is uh, that's the biggest poetry news we have right now, isn't it? 
And one of the articles that I read that compared to the previous ones, uh, you know, usually they're kind of been around a long time and kind of well-known, but she's more considered, she's kind of more known restrictedly in the, so far, thus far, and that'll probably change probably with her term as Port Laureate. Uh, but we think of Merwin and Dove, those people are kind of more well-known, uh, but she's less so well-known, except for in the poetry circles. Ten years ago, I had the opportunity to have a poetry workshop, one-day, two-hour poetry workshop with her. Um, and then a few years after that, she read at the Birmingham Museum of Art, not as part of the BMA Speak series, because this was before that. This was some years before that series was implemented. But she read in conjunction to a, a, an art exhibit by William Christenberry that emphasized place and location. And she came in on one Sunday afternoon uh, about a week before Christmas. I want to say it was 2006 or seven, and did a reading. So I've, I've had the chance to some acquaintance with her as a workshop participant and as an audience. And we're hoping, I was speaking with someone there at the museum um, Friday, and they'd heard the good news. And... We're hoping during her term as Port Laureate, she might perhaps hopefully uh, make a visit back to us. Okay, what I'm going to read today is by another lady artist, a singer, vocalist. I consider her a genius for her, what she did in her time. Uh, she passed last a few weeks ago, last month, Donna Summer. Oh, yes. I actually wrote, I actually wrote this a few years ago as a sin cane, and then and with her passing... It revived the irony there. The pleasant irony there is in her passing. It revived a whole spirit of that time, and her, and not just her, but Giorgio Moroder. I think that's how you say his name. And the Moog synthesizer. He was the producer and with the music, and she was the voice. Uh, and they were a team in that way. And um, so it revived all that. Um, it's called in the Moog. Hmm. In the Moog, M-O-O-G. Donna, disco diva, singing, I feel lovely. High noon, where solstice mates with moon. Summer, the body, heart. But there is no last dance, always. Another song for her strong voice. When I revived it after hearing the news, it then... It then developed to another syncane, and I linked them together. It's known as a linked double syncane. So cool. Um, yeah, very, very sad to, to hear um, that uh, Donna Summer passed away. Or really, when anyone passes away who we know who's had, in particular, if they've had some kind of impact on our life, um, and, and surely Donna Summer did uh, culturally, you know, uh, it's it, it highlights... There's an extra sadness because it highlights our own mortality besides the sadness of the person yeah, no longer being with us. See, yeah, I, I relate it to that because it revived that whole time. I said that was a, a whole other time in my college days. And I love the energy behind disco music. And that MacArthur Park Suite is about 17 minutes long. That's just, whether it's disco or rock or classical, it's, for, what, for its genre, it's an epic masterpiece. It's, it's just a uh, genius. And, um, is that is that Steve, the one that Steve, I I love to love you baby that that seventeen minute mix of that one? No, this is MacArthur Park Suite. It's actually uh, got several songs in it. Uh, Heaven knows, um, 
But anyway, uh, the Mark Arthur Spark Suite was actually written before that. I forget his name, but as someone said uh, in passing what I read on online, but she, she gave it electricity and energy and the way that they blended some other songs. And that's why it's called a suite. It's just not that one song. It's some other songs, and there's some bridges in it and extensions. Um, um, Got it. But Yeah, uh, I, I guess I was confused went, because I, I had heard uh, – uh, when she passed away, the local uh, radio station played this, a 17-minute mix of, of this one particular song. But um, well, that, no, that, there is that song. There is that song, and I think that's kind of like what put her on the chart and introduced. This is Donna Summer. This is disco music. This is Georgia Marauder, and this is like you know uh, the introduction to what's going to be on the scene for the at that time. And but Steve Winwood comes to mind of. of of traffic back in his traffic days early before he was just solo and that song um it ends with but spirit is something so strong no one can destroy and that made me think of her that although she had passed you know summer the body parts but there is no last dance always another song for her and there's some allusions to her music if you know her body of work yeah, no, uh, I, I, I no, no, no pun intended. Actually, she didn't like that aspect of it, but that's kind of like it got the ball rolling. But you know, she really was a true, genuine voice, and she was also a visual artist. But anyway, I'm rambling on. Uh, Let me ask you a question, of, uh, uh, sure, there, Michael. Sure. Um, do, do you have an answer to the question that was asked? Maybe you didn't hear the question, but um, uh, one of our uh, first poets today, Fern from uh, Kelowna, Canada, asked if there was a particular experience that you've had that you found uh, inspirational to you as a poet or formative to you as a poet that you could that you could point out to us? Yeah, I, I probably more than one, probably more than one, but uh, here it goes. If you know me, you're probably going to be the least bit surprised. I don't know. I guess it was about the year 2019. I don't know. The exact, I want to say 19. Oh, I, I had to look it up. But about I had a dream. <laughs> that I was at a concert, and a uh, Fleetwood Mac concert, and I was sitting on the side of the stage, and Stevie Nicks walked past me and told me, she turned around and said, you're going to have to behave. And it was, and I remember when I woke up from the dream, I thought, yeah, you must really like her a whole lot to have that kind of dream. I didn't think much of it until almost a year later, I'm not going to say a year to the date, I actually went to a concert, and I had an experience very similar like that. And when it happened, I said to myself, you know, I think this is only something that could happen for a poet. Like, and then it made me think of William Wordsworth, the mind of the poet, intimations. I mean, I don't coincidence, deja vu. But I remember I said to myself when the experience happened, to God, that is almost that is almost visually verbatim like that dream. I think this must be, this must really confirm. I was about thirty years old then. I must be a poet. This must be poetry. This must be an experience a poet has. And I wrote about it. It's my Evangeline poem, like William. Longfellow had this long poem called Evangeline as kind of like a quest and a search. And, I mean, and here I am rambling again, but it's about six pages long. In fact, I think on your show I read the last page of it, which has its own title, like an epilogue called For Sarah, for hmm. Sarah, because I called, I called her Sarah, and that's one of my most favorite songs by her. Um, anyway, you probably got some call. I hope that answers the question. I hope that... Um, Definitely, kinda, uh, Michael. Thank you so I hope much that for... Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, I always appreciate yeah, I was, you, I was glad to share. you calling in. I was glad to share. And it's got me thinking about maybe some other experiences. Maybe I'll relate them some other time on another show. You have a good week and a good month, and I'll talk to you hopefully in July. Sounds good. That was 
uh, oops, uh, that was uh, Michael from Birmingham, <laughs> Alabama. Um, uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Yep. Um, thanks so much. All right, we got a couple. Uh, we got about five minutes uh, left in the show, so uh, please do call in. Uh, I think we can get a couple more callers on um, the numbers six four six seven one six seven three six two. Um, I think I just kicked someone off from the 818 area code. I meant to uh, 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 click uh, the button which hangs up on Michael when he was done, but I, I clicked the button which hung up on the 818 caller. So apologies. If that was you, please do call back in uh, right now, and I'll put you on first because you were next. So um, there you go. All right. So, again, the number to call in is 646-716-7362. Um, uh, this is Poetry Superhighway Live. The the question that was asked earlier, if you want to answer it by a fern from Canada, um, is uh, uh, was there an experience that you found particularly formative? Well, that formative was the word that someone else used actually later on, but um, inspiring as a poet, um, which uh, which got you. Uh, maybe the implication is that it got you involved with poetry more um, uh, because of this experience uh, or something of that nature. So do call in right now uh, and answer that question. Again, 646-716-7362. I want to quickly mention again that our next show is going to be on July 22nd, Sunday, July 22nd at 2 o'clock p.m. Uh, this is the annual conversation with our contest judges. Um, uh, uh, this year, the contest judges um, are going to be the uh, three people who, um, excuse me, yes, the three people who uh, won last year's contest. So first place winner last year was Amber Decker. Second place winner was Brenda Levy-Tate. And third place winner was Buxton Wells. And all three of those folks um, uh, who took the top three scoring positions, uh, they will be uh, judging uh, this next year's contest. Uh, interesting note, Brenda Levy-Tate, who scored second place, also scored a second or third place in a contest a few years previous to that. So this will actually be her second time uh, judging. And it's kind of an extraordinary thing to think about when um, you realize that every single year it's a different set of judges. Um, the the poems are all judged blindly, scored blindly with uh, your names removed. And this woman, out of the uh, hundreds of people who've entered the contest um, over the years, has, uh, uh, again, through a completely different set of judges, has risen to the top three positions. So we're very excited to have uh, her back um, as, uh, as a judge of this year's contest. And uh, you'll get to hear from all three judges on our next show on July 22nd at 2 o'clock p.m. Okay, let's see if I did this uh, right this time. 818, are you there? 818, are you there? Hello? Jason, you're back. I am back. I've Yeah, my Skype uh, had a little malfunction earlier. That's oh. okay. And I guess that was you who I hung up on, which means... <laughs> Probably because all of a sudden, like... <laughs> It went to a commercial and then never came back to the show, and so I had to call back in. I'm guessing you may have come to me at that point. Maybe. I don't know. I That's amazing because I, I don't hear any commercials in the middle of the show. So, I God, I hope they're not playing commercials over us live. It, that's what they, it sounds like. I, I had no they, idea. But. They insert them uh, over the uh, over the pre-record, the ones that happened already. But look, we've only got a few minutes left, so let's let's hear that poem. Okay. 
Okay, okay, here we go. Nights like tonight. On nights like tonight, I can only do one thing. Waste an abundance of paper writing shitty-ass poetry no one will ever know of if I'm lucky at some little poetry reading or in some chapbook. Did you know I get inspired before I masturbate? Seems like one and the same, too. Something no one will ever know of. Then again, maybe that's why I do it, knowing there's someone hiding behind every corner within myself just waiting until I make something worthy of being considered art so I may take further advantage of myself. I masturbate just like I write my poetry passionately and loudly. I thought you should know I wouldn't shake my hand if I were you. That's the hand I use to fuck myself metaphorically. I thought you should know. On nights like this, wouldn't you like to know who I'm doing? I write poetry with my right hand. Thank you. I'm definitely going to keep that in mind the next time I think the cobalt. <laughs> I just want that to be clear. And I don't want you to be offended either. I just no. want you to know that I'm now aware, and that's that's all. I'm just trying to bring a little awareness. Just trying to bring a little awareness. <laughs> um, Jason, uh, how cool that you call it. You, you host a, a weekly blog talk radio show. You want to tell the people about that? Oh, yes. Uh, Tuesday nights, uh, 7 p.m. Pacific Daylight. Uh, we are on here. We are the Soapbox Super Show, and it's part open mic, part discussion. And uh, we've uh, Roger Shagnon, uh, our resident musician, and Sean Hill, our poet. And uh, we also have our uh, our main man, Captain uh, Dutch. He's on the phone, too. So we got a few hosts, and we like to just uh, kind of open up creative conversation. So uh, that's the Soapbox Super Show on Tuesday nights. Cool. And if people want to find it, how do they go about doing that? Uh, they can find it right here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, if you search up search Soapbox Sessions or uh, Spread the Soap. You can also listen to it live uh, directly from our website at SpreadTheSoap.com. we got the player there, so uh, if you listen in live, you can listen straight from the website. Very nice. Cool. Well, um, Jason, so so cool to hear uh, your voice in this format, um, and uh, glad that you got to call in. Cool poem. Thank you. Thank you for hosting. My pleasure. All right, take it easy, man. That was uh, Jason Brain calling from here in Southern California, someone I know from uh, the Cobalt Cafe where I I host a weekly open reading, also on Tuesday nights, uh, who's gone on to do many uh, cool things, including host his own weekly open mic, uh, not just for poetry, but also for comedy and for music, um, uh, which you can check out at spreadthesoap.com and now does a weekly blogtalkradioshow.cool. He's he's an enterprise unto himself, um, and uh, just be aware of his right hand, that's all. Uh, that you have to know. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank uh, everyone for participating in today's show. David Neves from uh, Newark, New Jersey. Fern from Kelowna, British Columbia, Canada. Cathabella, who called from Pasadena, California. She did that cool piece with her husband, Rick, playing on the background with flute. Uh, Don from Sonoma, California. Uh, um, uh, the spoken word track from Jerry Garcia. Don't forget to send in your spoken word tracks. Uh, and we'll play them in the spoken word slot of Poetry Superhighway Live. Um, Larry, Laughing Larry from Rochester, New York. Ivan from Northridge, California. Uh, Michael from Birmingham, Alabama. And once again, to Jason Brain from uh, right here in Southern Cal. Thanks, everyone, for calling. Again, our next show is July 22nd. It'll be a conversation with our three contest judges. Uh, so tune in. It's You're going to get some great insights, uh, which you never get when you're entering a contest. It's always kind of blind. You might know who the judges are, but here's a chance just to listen to them talk about uh, poetry 
and uh, get some great insights, which will help you when you uh, enter the contest. Looking for contest sponsors, if you want to donate something, just go to the website and all the info is there. The next live open reading that you can participate in will be Sunday, August 19th. Uh, thanks so much, everyone, for uh, tuning in. Check out our website at poetrysuperhighway.com. My name is Rick Lupert. Uh, good to have you listening, everyone. Uh, have a lovely rest of your day. <laughs>